The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, FSW, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going this week? You know, another, another busy week. We just... You know, had an event at the FSW arena, but it wasn't an artist, you know, less, you know, taxing. But being that it was GCW, you know, uh, still had to be on your toes. Um, with uh, GCW, uh, it looked like you had a pretty uh, full uh, crowd. What was that uh, that atmosphere like? You know, the atmosphere is, is, is totally different than, you know, your normal wrestling show. It's, you know, it was similar to watching, you know, Sami Zayn and, and Roman Reigns. It's the passion of the crowd is just, you know, amazing. And I get it. You know, GCW probably doesn't come out here that often, but their fan base is so excited about everything you know and again you know some of the matches they were fine nothing 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 crazy but these fans are a a different breed it it, it's more ecw than ring of honor was it's like you know they feel they're all part of the community and it's you know something that in all honesty man i i wish we could do something about that sure Sure. Um, does I mean, what do you feel? Because I would assume a lot of the fans were um, local fans who go to FSW shows. How do you think you get that other portion of that crowd that might not come to FSW shows? How do you get them to come? I don't know. That that that's the million dollar question. You know, people are wrestling fans, and knowing what will bring them out fsw is a company that runs 30 to 50 shows a year so it's easy to miss some uh gcw runs two to three shows a year and they've built up their shows to where it's a big deal but it's still jordan oliver and nick wayne and Jimmy Lloyd, and the hodgepodge of different guys that they're going to bring in. You know, on one show, it's Effie, and then Alley Catch, and and all these personas. Yeah. It, it likens me to Matt Cardona in Impact compared to GCW. When I'm in the Impact at Sam's Town, and I see Matt Cardona, he's just another guy on the roster. But Matt Cardona in GCW was the biggest deal 
of anybody in an extremely long time. Like his niche with the anti and going after Nick Gage and doing the Moxley thing and, and everything that they did made him as valuable today as he's ever been. And it was GCW that did that. It wasn't Impact that yeah. did that. And it, it really is special because it isn't about who's having the best matches. You know, they have Mike Bailey on the show. who's fantastic. And this commander kid, man, tremendous. And they're able to bring in those guys as well as incorporating their deathmatch style. And then all of a sudden they'll do a Joey Janela show and they'll bring in two cold Scorpio and Ricky Morton. And they're, they're all over the place, but because of that deep fan base that they've built up over the last, and again, it wasn't 2017 or 18. It was, it was really when the pandemic hit that those guys, it just took off to another level and it's unexplainable to be honest with you. And I'm watching that, and I'm watching Zane and, and Roman Reigns the next day on Saturday. And I'm like, man, it, it, it's so great to have that atmosphere throughout the night. You know, you go to an FSW show, and, you know, we got our fans, and, and they love their people. And But there's always lulls in the show that right. even if it's a main match between two guys that are usually respected, you don't get the atmosphere that you get on a GCW show. And again, WWE doesn't get that either. They, 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 you know, they swung and hit a home run on Sami Zayn. And it was just like, instead of the best of seven series, it was the best of one series. Like in all honesty. And it's like, yeah, maybe they'll revisit it down the line, but we've seen what happens when you revisit something down the line. It's not as exciting as the generic thing that was going on yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's now yesterday, today, and let's get through WrestleMania, and then we're going to see where we're going to go, and that's two months away. And, again, everybody loves Cody Rhodes, and he's the guy who long-term is definitely the person that they probably should go with over as Sami Zayn. But right now, he is so, so hot that I'm not sure how you can keep him that way if Cody Rhodes goes into WrestleMania and beats Roman Reigns. I don't think it means as much if Sami Zayn goes in and actually beats him down the line. You know, to me, there was so much more to be told. And, yeah, I guess they may tell it and they, they, they continued stuff on Raw. But it's like they're trying, they're obviously moving away from Sammy and Roman Reigns and whatever happens, you know, is is it Sammy and Kevin Owens? Well, great. We've seen that before. You know, is it Sammy and Kevin against the Usos? Yeah, okay. But that isn't the main storyline at that point. It's still going to be Cody and Roman Reigns. So... You know, finding that passion, man, that is, you know, I sit back in awe and watch. And it's like, man, we put on some great shows. And sometimes you see the fans where they're kind of like, ah, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, it's a great show, great show. But the way they respond, no matter how great they think the show is, 
it's 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 just another world gcw right um so that was at the fsw arena um you have a show coming up on march 4th uh Tell us a little bit about what is scheduled now for the fourth, which uh, is uh, what about twenty-two days before the Mecca. Um, you know, with this show coming up on the fourth, uh, is there any preparation? Does that set up anything for Mecca, or does that basically set up stuff going forward after Mecca, essentially? FSW, the high octane on March 4th, is setting up toward another FSW event. The Mecca, you know, we have shown all along, it is a standalone show. The main focus at the Mecca is the Mecca Grand Championship. So Chris Bay will defend that Mecca Grand Championship that is not defended as often, obviously, as the FSW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Ice Williams will definitely be on the card or whoever the champion is at that time. But we're not looking to have a lot of FSW belts defended on that show. Right. Uh, we're talking now there might be uh, there might be one and we might have the women's championship defended because that is the biggest prize for the women in FSW. So having Viva on the show, we're still looking for a top top opponent for her uh she is booked for that show and the idea is for her to definitely defend but we're looking for her to defend against a a national name that means a lot more to more than just the las vegas fan base the mecca has always kind of stood alone and it was a great opportunity for the you know the cream of the crop in fsw you know the champions Uh, Hammerstone, there was no discussion. It was like, hey, you know, I'm going to book you for the uh, 26th. You available? Yeah. I'm the, you know, you won the title. You've been our champion. You've done so much for us. I'm not even going to ask you about certain dates because we have to think about where we're going to go with Hammerstone, you know, moving forward. So obviously our champions who are going to be available uh, we found out, unfortunately, Danny Limelight will not be available on that event. Uh, he'll be defending his United Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Marquez is running a show, I'm thinking Kentucky or something, uh, on March 26th. So it, it also helps free up a little space because, you know, we, we have things booked and we're trying to, we're still trying to put things in place. You know, we got Tom Lawler booked. We got, uh, the Gates of Agony, Toa and his partner booked. We have Che and Tito booked. You know, we're talking with MK about a, a Sam Adonis AAA match that mm-hmm. will air. We obviously have Chris Bay and John Morrison. So the Mecca is, is starting to come together. We're only five weeks away, so we need right. to get that going. March 4th, we do have Danny Limelight. We do have... Ice Williams and Nick Xander signed. Uh, we do have Fresco and Watson on hand to defend their tag titles. Still figuring that out. It's only 12 days away. So I got to make moves quick, uh, yeah. you know, on that show. So there, there's a lot that it entails. Uh, Class, Devin Reno, Remy, Bodie, Cody, Damian Drake, 
you know, those guys, Primo Henio, they, they're, yeah. they're all booked for the event sky high. And it's like, okay, now we're trying to mix and match. We've announced two, uh, Koa, who's been on a hot streak with MK. He's going to be going against MK's former tag team champion that he was a part of, uh, Juicy. Uh, hmm. Juicy Return won a big scramble match and, and no escape. And now this is a big heavyweight battle. You know, Koa, this this is definitely a, a match for him that's going to show where he's at. A, a victory against Juicy is huge because... Yeah. You know, Juicy is one half of the MLW Tag Team Champions. So, you know, Juicy has done a lot since we brought him in last year. And right. we're looking forward to that. So we got two cha- two matches set. A- as I said, uh, Lights Camera Faction, they're going to be there. And Fresco and Watson are going to be defending their tag titles. We're, we're figuring out where we're going to go in that situation. So, you know, there's a lot of talent. We got uh, some new talent. A guy I had booked for Future Shock that Remy had recommended, heard good things. His name's Jack Painter. And Hmm. since we moved High Octane into the Future Shock date and he couldn't do Future Shock, we're going to have him on on the show February 4th. Uh, I mean, uh, March 4th. So we are going to see. You know, we're pretty loaded on the show. Uh, what's Bodie doing? What's Jacob Austin Young doing? What's Danny Limelight doing? There's so much still to be decided. And in all honesty, uh, I want it to be decided by Thursday or Friday. You know, I want to have a good week of having five or six matches announced instead of two or three. Yeah, I I, I totally understand that. Um, so... When you look at that and you're trying to, when you're trying to visualize it and you look at um, that time between March 4th and the next big FSW event, you know, we talked about the GCW fans and we talked about the FSW fans and you said something, of course, that makes so many, so much sense. You've said it before. And that is that choice of, you know, well, there's so many FSW shows throughout the year. Why should I go to this one or that one? How difficult is that then for you to take that March 4th and, you know, start doing these stories and know that, or or should not know, but how do you get the fans starting to get interested enough that that long period when you have a Mecca in between, keeps their interest in building up those matches, if that makes sense. Well, in the past, we would run a lot of times, you know, only one show a month. So, you know, you you would follow the storyline from month to month. Now we give that opportunity for people to get a little bit of more, a little bit more, by running those two generally FSW type shows. So, you know, in that situation, you're hoping people have followed you for years. And we have a lot of those regular fans at the FSW arena. And 
a hiccup of the Mecca is a big show. So they're going to be big names there. So they're going to be excited about that. But I'm pretty sure when we're doing storylines and they follow through, you know, being 30 days away isn't really that big a deal. You know, there's companies who run, you know, every couple of months and they're trying to sell the stories. So, you know, it's hard to gauge, I guess you could say. But we have really passionate longtime fans that a lot of our fans have been coming to the shows for five, seven, ten years. So, you know, not having a show two or three weeks later and having to wait four weeks, I I don't think that is going to be, you know, something that's going to be an issue, especially if we're telling a good story about it, you know, and if you like that story. Look, look at the, yeah. you know, with GCW, they haven't been here in a year. There's in, in, if you look for them, their, their show that they did last week to what they did in LA, there's really no storylines behind it. It's like Nick Gage wrestled Mike Bailey. And the week before Nick Gage wasn't on a show and they just put together matchups that are different and, and, and trying to make sure that they're able to change things up. So why would we have a problem with it? I I don't think we do. And in all honesty, sometimes I think maybe, hey, you know what? We run too much. Okay. And it's easy to get lost because, hey, one show's a high octane. One show's a future shock that's going to have a lot of kids on it. And then we're going to a mecca that's going to have a lot of big names on it. So it's almost like running three different shows because one, two, and three have nothing to do with any of the others. So, you know, that's also an issue. And it's not an issue for most companies that don't have a wrestling school. If we didn't have a wrestling school, we wouldn't run a future shot. But we're trying to give opportunities and we're trying to get experienced, you know, for some of these younger people who aren't ready to wrestle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. You know, they're, they're not ready to wrestle on a casino show. So, so how do you do that? Right. Um, so when you look at future shock then, and you know, it's placement and you, you kind of talked a little bit about that opportunity um, that someone's getting because Remy recommended them. Uh, how many spots now in a future shock? Like, what happens to those guys who might, you know, you feel might need that shot or should potentially get that shot that are from <laughs> out of town or from, you know, a suggestion from one of the guys? Uh, as opposed to, you know, some of the guys that, maybe you've seen on one or two future shocks or haven't seen yet. Um, you know, how do you decide between do I use that outside talent or do I use uh, a homegrown talent? And does that ever affect you when, you know, guys think that, well, Joe's going with an Arizona guy or a guy Remy knows and not going with me and I'm here. Um, does that ever, you know, become an issue? Uh, not in my eyes, in their eyes, maybe, <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, 
if my student is ready for a match and my trainers say, this person is ready, they will get the match. It isn't like, hey, Remy recommended this Jack Painter guy. Well, I'm going to use Jack Painter, but I'm not going to use Chase Bell. I wouldn't do that. If I don't have a spot for Chase Bell, I wouldn't bring in Jack Painter on that show. The guys that are really, really ready to be on a show. Chase Bell, he's a guy who can be on high octane and has been on numerous occasions. So when he's available and there's an opportunity to give him more experience to get better, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure he's got that opportunity. And you get a young kid like Demir and Oliver Canada and Tanaya. And you try to mix and match and give them something. And if I give Demir a match on March 4th, I don't feel as obligated to give him a match March 10th also. So sometimes a guy who might be for sure on Future Shock, I needed for the show six days earlier. Well, at that point, now he's not a priority or she's not a priority for me to get them on that next show because my goal is try to at least get them on one show every month when we're doing two or three. So at Jimmy Jack, he'd been out. We did the Battle Royal, Future Shock Battle Royal. It was a way to get those guys in an atmosphere in front of a crowd. And, you know, we got to the final two, a Jimmy Jack and Eldon Finau, a guy who's doing very well in Arizona. We've seen him a couple times. Well, after the finish of that match, there's definitely a thought in my mind that maybe at Future Shock, I could do a one-on-one match, two super heavyweights and Jimmy Jack and Eldon Finau. And that only came about because we were trying to fill up bodies for the Battle Royal. Eldon Finau was not booked. There was about three people that came down. So 11 or 12 is a weird number. I like even numbers, 10, 15, 20. So now we can get a 15-man Battle Royal. I like that number better when there's a 380-pound guy who knows how to work, who's sitting around, you know, driving five and a half hours, hoping for an opportunity. Why, why wouldn't I give that guy who has, you know, taken – literally 12 hours out of his life to come down to a show that he wasn't booked on. And, you know, Remy helped put that match together and Eldon Finau got to the final two and it it was a good, big, big, big battle back and forth. And, you know, it isn't that I don't like Eldon Finau. It's like, sometimes there just isn't spots, you know, Koa, Koa was a guy that we would use generally on Future Shock. The person right. I had in mind to uh, be part of the MK Army just wasn't around and wasn't available. And it was like Koa was there again on a, on a day. And he's really shined since he's gotten that opportunity and he's gotten so much better. And hopefully yeah. part of that reason is us giving him opportunities to work with people. And being trained at Arizona, that crew is generally well-trained and are willing to do whatever you need them to do. And in most cases, don't question 
what you have. It's like, hey, I'll be up there if you need me. And, you know, that happened with Blair Brody on one of the casino shows to where he wasn't booked, but he's like, I'll be there anyway if you need me. And yeah. I needed him. So, you know, it happened to be. Well, there's some local guys who initially believe they're not part of the show. They're not coming. And then, gotcha. you know, I, I had some guys that I might use on March 4th. And guess what? They're booked elsewhere. They didn't ask if I needed them. They took another booking, which is fine. But the next time there's another show, as I've said a million times, don't be all butthurt that I didn't book you on that show. Yeah. You know, business, uh, business is business. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the biggest point is, is business is business. Uh, you know, when you look at you know, you said Remy and, um, you know, helping book that match. How important is it on those shows on a, a future shock and to, to some extent on the high octanes um, that you have guys like Remy and Cody and, uh, you know, uh, Jake and, you know, guys who, who have been around who can either book or put, uh, you know, information into a match if guys come up and say, you know, especially younger guys on Future Shock. Hey, you know, we're having trouble with this. Like, what is that process like with those guys? And if you didn't have those guys around, how much harder would it be to run a show like a Future Shock? Well, it make it makes life easier for me. You know, generally I'll walk in and I have an idea what I want to do, and it would be fine. But having those other guys to bounce off, you know, they're going to want to add these little things that are sometimes forgotten. Or if I say, hey, I want this, that, and the other thing, well, that's fine. It's this, that, and the other thing. But having another voice in there now... Remy may have two matches, like the Battle Royal and something else. You know, I have to deal with eight matches. And obviously on a high octane or a mecca, you know, I don't really need to tell Hammerstone what he needs to do. What I tell Hammerstone is, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Hey, we got some ideas on this. Hey, what do you think? Because he is a veteran. He is a guy that I'm going to count on. He's right. a guy like Gregory Sharp. If Gregory Sharp's going to work a future shock, hey, is there somebody in training that you want to work because you see good potential in? You know, I had to go fucking nuts on the Facebook the other day because two students, one who's had zero matches and the other one who's probably had four or five, are letting me know they're available for future shock. And then they're pitching who they want to work. It's like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck who you want to work like what the fuck are you even thinking like you even haven't had a match yet how about my trainers tell me you're ready for the match just because you were in a battle royal doesn't mean you're going to be in future shock doesn't mean you're not going to be in future shock but i need to know from a couple of my trainers that they believe you're ready to have a full-blown match and it was like oh uh and the other one was you know he's had a few matches 
hey, I just want to let you know I'm available to tent. You know, uh, you know, I'd like to work Brandon G if it's cool. And it's like, no, it's not cool. Like, you're going to work wherever I fucking tell you to work or don't work at all. Like, where do you think you're in position to tell somebody what you want to do? Nobody cares what you want to do. We want you to go out and have a good fucking match. Well, Joe, is it, but in that case, was it Brandon G who got in his ear and said, hey, say, say you want to match with me? Well, <laughs> so surprisingly he, enough, the guy asked to work Brandon G in one of the matches, and the other guy asked to work Jimmy Jack. So <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to work those guys? Come to training at the school and go work them in a practice match. Yeah. And maybe when you're really ready to have a good match with them, because as you know, at Future Shock, I'm generally trying to get the least experienced guys in there with the more experienced guy in there. Yeah. So Jimmy Jack's not the most experienced guy. Why would I want him to work a guy who's never had a a live match before? It makes no sense. All it is is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean that's a great way to describe it and I'm glad you I'm glad you pointed out something that I don't know if a lot of fans really understand the idea of you know training classes. I think people kind of get this concept of yeah, you learn how to take bumps, you ha- you learn how to do moves, um you learn how to put together matches. But I don't think a lot of people understand the fact that there's a process in applying all that stuff to the point where you are finally then at a point where you can run, uh, you know, a five-minute match, a 10-minute match, etc. Is that something that, for you, you find with uh, the trainers that you have, who are some of the best trainers in this country that their eyes watching those practice matches are some of the most important things that a student actually gets is that opportunity to, you know, be critiqued and then be able to try to grow because you have those, uh, you know, those eyes that are so seasoned and, and so good at seeing everything on you whereas in some schools you know it's like here's all the stuff you learn and now go do your first match is 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 it just different having that opportunity to actually have those practice matches when you're you know five months in six months in before you actually get matches in front of a crowd uh I can't say for sure because if you're doing practice matches and you've never really had matches before, I kind of think that you're wrestling the same way you would in front of a crowd. You know, when I play baseball, you know what I'm saying? When I played baseball, like it didn't matter to me if it was a real game, if it was a pickup game. I always wanted to do the best I could. And I think there's added pressure because if you're doing it in a practice match, that's your opportunity to show me or the trainers that you are ready to actually wrestle in front of a crowd. So 
I can't be sure that there's not more pressure there when Kenny's or, or Sin is doing a TV class where we're giving, we're putting matches together, and sometimes the experienced guys wrestling an inexperienced guy. Sometimes an inexperienced guy is wrestling somebody who probably shouldn't even be in the ring and is not really ready. So now you have to go out there, and despite who the opponent is, you have to you have to shine. And sometimes you can't shine because of who you might be in there with. Because a bad match is a bad match. It's easy to say, yeah, my match sucked, but it was fucking Matt's fault wasn't my fault. Right, right. I, I know what I'm doing, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. And people can use that as an excuse. And we've had matches on Future Shock that have been total fucking disasters. Yeah. Demir had his first match against a guy who never has a bad match, Gregory Sharp. And, that's, and it was a shitty match. Why was it a shitty match? Because Demir was hesitant he wasn't confident, you know, in a situation like that, Sharp's going to, you know, Sharp's going to give you the rope. Yeah. And if you don't take it, then he's taking that rope back. And watching right. that match, it was very disappointing because Demir's looked good. He's young kid. He's only 18 years old, man. Bright future. You yeah. know, I don't call him Chris Strong for nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he goes in there. And, you know, Greg's going to give him a little bit and work with the young kid. And he just didn't take advantage of situations. When he did put in some offense, he kind of lulled and didn't follow up. And, and I told him, it was like, you need to go out there and you need to do things. And it just seemed like he was a deer in headlights. And he finally got to wrestle in front of a crowd. And And I don't think it was he wasn't ready for it. But I think th that moment was just too much for him at that time. And so he, and it, it's it's typical translation of nerves when you, I mean, even you know, a stage performer or, or a stand up or you know, anyone who goes in front of a crowd, a band, you know, and any band member or singer <laughs> can get that that feeling of you know that that first nervous energy. But compared to his second match, that's where you see the difference of is this guy going to now take advantage of it and take it to the next level and improve on that first match? Is is that what you look for then, essentially? Uh, without a doubt. And, you know, he, he did much better in, in the matches after that. And, you know, he's gotten to work at a couple other places. You know, I don't really know how those matches went. I don't think they went that well because he, you know, talked to me after the fact. But you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And the best way to not make all those mistakes is continually doing tons of practice matches. That way it yeah. becomes second nature for you because you're going to have a lot of shitty matches. Well, if you do it in front of nobody, you're still having those shitty matches, but you should be improving. If you're only doing it in front of a crowd, wow, you're going to have a lot of shitty matches. So in between Future Shock and the last time he worked, it might have been seven weeks. Well, in those seven right. weeks, there's no reason why he couldn't have had 20 practice matches by then. Sure. And again, sure. it's putting in the time, putting in the effort. There's guys 
that train a decent amount of times, but Kenny never sees them because they don't come on Wednesday or who doesn't come on Monday or who doesn't come on Thursday. It's kind of you, as I've always said, being in Las Vegas, it's hard to have a set time and then say, well, this day's only for the beginner and only for the intermediate because guys and girls work way different schedules in Vegas compared to any other city where, you know, there's no city other than Vegas that has probably a third of the population working one to nine, another third working nine to five and another third working five to one. And that's how it is. So as a business, as I've said a million times, well, I can't make beginner class Monday and Wednesday. Well, if your days off are Wednesday and Thursday and beginner class is only two days a week and you can make only make one, who's going to pay me the fees to train when I can only be there one day a week? So we try to give the opportunity, especially for the beginners, to be there five days a week. That yeah. way, if they only have two days to come, at least they got the two days to be there. You know, who's to say that their days off were Thursday and Friday and Monday and Wednesday? I would never have gotten a dime off them. I still got to pay my my rent and my trainers and my bills and trying to keep the school afloat. So that makes it a difficult process because also the advanced and intermediate guys are kind of mixed in together. So there's a lot of different things that are going on in one training session. And you try to make sure... We focus on the beginners because the advanced guys are just looking to keep the rust off, work on some things. The beginners, man, they're at the fucking bottom of the barrel trying to get that match. Yeah. You know, no offense, but I, I don't care if Matt Vandegrift only shows up once a week. Sure. And there's also a reason why a, a Matt Vandegrift, a Jay Vidal, a Damian Drake, a Zoe Stark, You know, we allowed them to come in before class and they did their own thing and they built up enough trust and a Chris Bay who has a key that they could come in when they want and work on stuff. Yeah. And they're not affecting the class because the biggest problem becomes, well, if 15 of the main roster guys are there and there's only five beginners, it's easy to say, hey, we're going to do a lot of practice matches today. Well, you've been right. training for three weeks. How the fuck are you going to do anything? So now you paid to sit and watch. Not that you can't learn by watching, but if it happens too often, it becomes, well, what am I doing here? And, right. and those are the guys as a school you need to focus on. And, you know, even the intermediates, because you're hoping to get those intermediates to the main roster. So those are guys that are going to randomly be on some shows and they might get on some local shows here and there. But they're nowhere near, you know, the level of Matt Vandegrift, Gregory Sharp, Remy Cody, you know, our top 20. You know, how do you how does Brett the Thread and Nick Xander, Suabasitos, Ricky Tenacious, all these younger guys break into that top 20 or 30 if they're not getting any work or they're not being able to train? And the thing is, there's certain ones you see train. And then there's certain ones that are even beginners that all they look for is showing up around, you know, showtime and then being all 
like, why, why aren't I on the show? Like, right. because you're not around and you're not ready, no matter what you think, you know? So it, it really is a pain in the ass, you know? It's like chasing them down for money, getting them to understand why they need to come and train. And it's like, why would you, why would you pay all this money not to be there? Right. Like, I don't right. understand it. Like, I'm not that like business guy that's like, yeah, keep coming. I'm not going to let you know that, hey, you're never, you're not here enough. Like, I'll tell people, hey, you know, you want to get somewhere in this business, you need to be here more. And if you can't be here, then you're wasting your money, which is probably not the best thing a business owner tells somebody who relies on that income. But it's like, you're just taking up space. It's pointless. You know, where are you trying to go? You know how many guys I've seen that are like, hey, they paid for the first three months. Then all of a sudden they disappeared because they didn't have any money for two months. And then they were back for a month, gone for two, back for two, gone for three. And it's like you're basically starting from scratch. Like have a job. It isn't save up for the three months and then take a shot that you hope you got a job. You know, you need to be financially okay to be able to do this. Right. And that's the reason why a lot of people drop out. Like the value for the dollar. Hey, I can go down the street and I can train for a third of the price. Well, that that's great. Good luck to you. You know, we're the, we have a wall of fame for a reason. Right. Everybody who's come out of Vegas has gone to the next level. Pretty much we train. So proof is in the pudding right there. You yeah. you you want to pay 50 bucks or 100 bucks to go somewhere. That's great. But you're not getting X WWE Ring of Honor Impact wrestlers and guests that have been in the business for 20 years. Our yeah. low our our lower trainers the guys that fill in or get a day like Cody and Remy and Sharp, they've been doing it for 13 years, 12 years, 10 years. And when somebody can't come in like a Kenny King, I can call a Chris Bay. I could call a TJ Perkins when he's not in Japan. Uh, D'Lo Brown has come numerous times. That's what we have to offer. We have a steady schedule. We're open four or five days a week. Not, hey, if I can make it, we're going to have training today. You know? But yeah, some yeah, people no, want to see that, that, that big fish in the no pond. <laughs> well, you know, sp- speaking of that, when you, when you think of, is it their own ego sometimes that weeds them out? essentially so meaning that when you think you're good enough and you think that everything is against you at fsw but i could go over to x y or z and now they might be handing me this or you know i might at least get matches even though i'm losing or you know maybe i'd have 10 friends over here so it's more of a you know Let's let's help each other out. Let's you know it's a little more clicky. It, there's so many different 
examples of what else is out there in terms of all these different things, which is not a, a bad thing. It's, it's not a good thing. It's just the reality of different owners of companies and, and how things are run at different spots. Is that kind of an advantage to you when it is, if those guys have that kind of attitude where they think that, you know, if I'm just getting shit on here, I'm just going to go over there and don't even have that. I'm going to go over here and show them that they're missing out on me. It's just that I'm going to go over there and I'm going to just, you know, bask in my own glory, essentially. Um, meaning, you know, not being motivated by by putting you in your place and showing you that you fucked up and you should have been using me all along. Is that something that for you is actually kind of an advantage or is it kind of an, a disadvantage because you, you occasionally lose someone who, you know, decides not to wrestle for you, but when you kind of see and hear about them, you could have imagined them performing for you. Um, is, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But every every single person has been different. There are many, many stories of, oh, one is Joe doesn't like me anymore. Right. One is Joe never liked me. One right. is, well, he has his favorites. He doesn't, I'm friends with this guy and he don't like that guy. And everybody has to come up with a theory a reason for why they're not as, as successful as they think they should be. And in most cases, none of the reasons are ever they weren't good enough. <laughs> and right. then there, we could go through every facet. There's people that I've used that they didn't want to stay at FSW because they didn't win enough. It didn't yeah. matter if that they got matches is they weren't winning right. or that guy was getting a title or I started after him, but he got a match and I didn't. And there's reasons right. for everything. And the best person doesn't always get the match that I need. If I see Chris Bay and he's three or four months in and I, and I like him and I kind of want to utilize him on a show and I think he's got huge potential, I'm probably not going to have Kevin Cross beat him up in 30 seconds as his debut because I'm trying to save him for a better opportunity. Not meaning he's going to win his first match out, which he, you know, he didn't. He did get thumped by Funny Bone, which is easy to do when you're a smaller wrestler. Nobody knows who you are. But when Kevin Cross walked in, I wasn't like, all right, you know, this is his first match, so I'm going to have Kid Vegas beat him up in 45 seconds. It's like, no, you want to protect this entity because you believe that there's something special there. Now, not that Kevin was that way, but some people would look at it as, oh, I'm way better than that guy. How did that guy get the match? Because all I needed him was to sell his ass off and get his ass beat for 40 seconds. I didn't want the six foot two, 245-pound guy to sell his ass off and get beat up by the five foot six hundred and sixty pound guy. Not right. that he couldn't down the line, 
but I'm trying to make first impressions are the most important. So regardless of the reason, that's what the wrestling business is. Just like the person asking me to do a match. You do what I need you to do. Now you have a choice. Your choice is I don't want to do it. Okay. Well, when you don't want to do it, that is your prerogative. Now I will choose and ask you to work a show if I need you. But if I don't need you, don't hold a grudge that I'm not choosing to use you. And these are all the different things that have happened along the way. Some people, I had no idea why they stopped coming and then found out they're at other places because they felt. And I can't convince somebody what they're deserving of. Sure. You know, I can explain it to them all I want, but that doesn't mean they believe it. There's a lot of people who feel that they're better than they are. Right. And then also, if I don't use you and you're training with me, but the guy down the street uses you, I don't get it. He uses me. Why the fuck don't Joe use me? He doesn't like me. And And it takes a lot. It's like, it's really hard when all of a sudden guys that you use or haven't used yet as students are debuting in other places and not your home base because they just want to use guys. And it's like, that's great. They use them. And I'm pretty sure they don't win ever. Not that winning and losing matters. But when you're wrestling a guy, as I try to explain to them, if you're going to wrestle somewhere and you're wrestling guys that you're better than and you haven't had a match, then you shouldn't be in the fucking ring. Because, again, what's going to happen? A, you're going to have a great match. That's slim to none. B, you're going to have a mediocre match. That's probably slim to none. And C, you're going to have a shitty match. And then that isn't the worst part of it. The worst part is you could accidentally get fucked up. You could get hurt because there's two guys in there that probably shouldn't have been. And maybe... You could have been in the match, but you should have been wrestling a Remy, a Cody, a Gregory Sharp, a Hammerstone, or whoever at a future shock where that person can carry you and knows exactly what to do. The worst thing is having two guys who've never really had any matches try to figure out what they're going to do. And everything's great, and I've seen it in some of our matches, especially at Future Shock. Uh, There was one women's match that started off, because the show before we had a women's match and it was fucking abysmal. And now we had this a different women's match. And first 30, 40 seconds, it started off. Okay, this young girl, she hadn't had any matches. Uh, wrestled Viva Van, I believe. And it started off pretty good. Something fucked up in the match. And then it hit the fucking shits. And, you know, it was a four or five minute match. And you had Viva Van in there, but she couldn't save the match. And you you get lost. Now you're in panic mode. And and that was working with an experienced person. And it just couldn't, nothing could be salvaged in that match. And I've said it to these guys a million times. I've seen Brian Cage wrestle Kenny King. I've seen Kenny King wrestle LA Knight. And they've had shitty matches. It it happens to the best of them. And they're going to have shitty matches. So if you've barely had any matches and you're wrestling a guy who's barely having any matches, what are the odds that your match is going to be awesome? 
Right. Right. And it's no. trying to get these guys to understand because it's like yeah. Facebook Messenger. Hey, bro, we're doing a show. How would you like to be on it? Oh, my God. I'm a student who pays dues, and somebody's going to give me $10 or $20 to wrestle on their show. Hey, Joe, though, have you ever thought of it like this? The person taking that $20 who's training for you is essentially giving you that $20 back because they have to pay the dues? Yeah, I, I kind of do look at it, or I kind of look at it. The guy who owes dues who got that 20 didn't bring it over to me. <laughs> I got no money. Well, didn't you just get 20 bucks? That's what Where's I thought you were going to say. Motherfucker. <laughs> but, you know, and it's like, it's easy to say, but when you sit back, I, un I understand. Everybody yeah. feels their value is more if they're not champions. You know, I, I joke about the Suavecitos. And, you know, they wrestled TBD for the titles. And, you know, Dan, Danny's very passionate, I guess we like to say. But, you know, he feels a lack of respect sometimes. And it's yeah. like I scratch my head because I'm like, dude, you just wrestled the tag team champions. Why? If there was no respect, you would be wrestling in the pre-show doing nothing or not being on the show at all. But you're perceiving it that way. And in some cases, I'm the guy that they need to be the reason for why that they're going to prove me wrong, as you were talking about earlier. A lot of people right. feel, oh, well, you know, Joe doesn't go around and praise us. You know, he's always, you know, talking about what we did wrong. And it's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, you your headlock was awesome. You've been here nine months. You had a good headlock. Like, you can't work on things that you're not good at or you're not doing right if nobody tells you. Because all your boys in the back are going to mostly say, hey, that was the shits. No, they're going to be like, oh, that was fucking great. Oh, you're, you're awesome. And then the students are even worse that have never had matches because they're so excited. And that's understandable. And they're so excited about their friend or their acquaintance or somebody they train with who's getting their first opportunity. And they're looking at it as, you know, he didn't kill anybody, so he must have did good. And, oh, that was great because they don't want to say anything negatively. And who are they to really critique anybody at all? You know, if Chris Bay's watching a match, you know, he, he hit me up. You know, one of the referees, he, he liked the ref and – felt that there were certain things that could have been done better. And he was trying to get the Facebook information because he wanted to send along the message of what he liked, but what he felt needed to be worked on. And that's fine. And even if he doesn't say, hey, you did this good and right. just said, this is what you need to work on, we're trying to make everyone better. And to make everyone better, you can't coddle them and you can't tell them how great they are when they're not. Sure. Um, <clears throat> when you look at some of these upcoming uh, matches you have planned for the fourth or are starting to plan for the fourth, um, is there any opportunities for some of those guys to uh, get a chance to stand out a little bit and uh, maybe work their way 
uh, towards uh, having a program or even on Future Shock? What is that opportunity like to get yourself noticed enough to start going, well, wait a minute, this guy could mix well with this person or even guys who are veterans, you know, who uh, might not be in a storyline or haven't been in one in a while or a prominent one in a while. How do you re-get the attention of Joe to go, okay, maybe we should utilize this character in this role for, you know, our upcoming, you know, big casino show. What is that like? Cause I know that's gotta be tough for these guys to do. Well, you know, it definitely is. And, and again, there's different circumstances, you know, death proof. They, they kind of imploded. Well, now I was trying to find things and finding where they belong and what they're doing and what's Jacob Austin Young up to and what's Cody up to. And, right. you know, Damian Drake finished up a feud with Gregory Sharp. So we got a Nevada State champion who doesn't really have a program. So we did a battle royal to give him a match, and Jimmy Jack got the match. The crowd was behind it. It, it, it. You know, it was a good match. You know, Jimmy Jack held his own, and, and Gregory Sharp, you know, did a great job as always. And now I, people have ideas. Obviously, when you've had one match and you've had 100 matches with me, guess who's going to be in Joe's ear? You know, when, when, when a Remy or a Cody – or Damian Drake, or Matt, or, or, or Jay, or, or all these guys. You know, if they got nothing going on, and they ask me what's going on, and I'm not really sure there's anything yet, they'll pitch ideas that they have that they think might work. And in some cases, it does. And in a lot of cases, that next storyline for somebody is usually based off an idea that, an idea that they presented to me. There's plenty of times I have an idea, like right. the Knicks, you know, Brett the Threat, for example. Like, hey, what about this? You know, because he, he's he's looking to get into something because when he has been into it, 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 you know, it really helps the development of the persona, the character, all the other stuff. And because of the situations that occur, I told him Nick Xander was a guy who was lucky. That has nothing – whether he's good, bad, indifferent, he's a guy on the main roster who happened to be a babyface, okay? And Clutch, who had been gone for a long time, who's always been that kind of angry vet character to where I've known him for years and there's been a lot of arguments in, in, in the office moving forward. I said, you know what? I got an idea, you know? And, and clutches because this is real life and that's what makes the best, the best things. And he talks about, and he sees the Facebook, even though he wasn't around, he's still on that Facebook student page that I keep a lot right. of our veteran guys on. And he's like, man, back in my day, which wasn't that long ago, six, seven, eight years ago, it's like, we really had to work. I feel a lot harder than these kids do to get stuff. Or they're more appreciative of it than these kids are. And in most cases, I really agree with that. But what's a better way than to reintroduce Clutch when he's talking about that than talking about the young guys and talking about the babyface rookie of the year? Well, that was a perfect time for Nick Xander to get involved in a program. 
And as we were developing that, Nick Bugatti decided that he felt he was ready to make a comeback. And we were in the middle of the Nick Xander uh, clutch program. So an idea was brought about and we trans, you know, we transferred Nick Xander immediately into another feud by losing the clutch because of Nick Bugatti hitting him with a camera at a casino show. So now Nick got bumped right into another program. Now, if Nick Xander didn't randomly make a Facebook post nine months earlier about how he wants Nick Bugatti, I highly doubt we would have done that. But, okay, he called him out before Nick Bugatti could play into that. And we did that program. And now he has a blow-off match inside the steel cage at no escape. Well, the next match was a new heavyweight champion who is a heel. And who's the perfect baby face other than the one baby face who won a big match at no escape. So he approaches the faction. And now despite losing to Braxton, which was kind of the reason for why Nick Xander needed to wrestle Braxton. The idea was, well, if you can beat I, uh, Braxton, you're going to get the shot at Ice Williams. Well, right. the, the faction interfere, and Ice Williams basically makes it known that he wants no part of Nick Xander. So I'm not going to punish Nick Xander, who was really at a four-to-one disadvantage, and now we're providing him the title shot. So Nick Xander walks into something else again. Now, sure, Nick Xander, he got this program, he got that program, and he got that program. He wouldn't have got the first program if he wasn't ready for it. He wouldn't have gotten the second program if he didn't do a good job in the first program. And the same thing about the third program. So he was given an opportunity. He got over. The fans gave a shit. So... I need somebody to wrestle Ice Williams. Sure, we can. There's a lot of baby faces that we could just throw in, but the idea right. is to make it mean a little bit more. And we right. were able to do that at the last show at the Ice Age with Nick Xander and, and Ice Williams. So now the, the, the former rookie of the year has his first opportunity to become the heavyweight champion. Sure. Graves could have got a shot. Hammerstone could have got a shot. Cody could have got a shot. Remy could have got a shot. Hard for Damian Drake. He just lost to Gregory Sharp. It's kind of hard to say, okay, now we're going to give you the heavyweight title shot. But there's a lot of baby faces or fan favorites that the fans would get behind in a match against Ice Williams. So... It's the same situation with Gregory Sharp. We need to develop something. So he was going to be there. He wanted to have a match. And it was like, well, how random do we want it to be? Well, the Battle Royal gave some people opportunities. And we got lucky. And we had a good match out of it. And Jimmy Jack, you know, has proven, you know, he's still very inexperienced. And he has a lot of work to do in the ring. But the crowd loves him. And... 
with his size, he's a threat against anybody. Right. Um, you know, with someone like Nick Sander, let's say, in talking about this match with Ice Williams, a lot of times when you look at a heel taking on a baby face, um, there's a little pull for the baby face, but in the end, the fans kind of almost know that the baby face um, is not going to win that match, whether the heel cheats or, you know, the it's just that the heel might have just gotten the belt like Ice did, right? So you have that kind of uh, same, you know, feel almost over and over. Uh, people complain about it in the WWE all the time when you have a guy that you know is going out there and is going to lose. But in this case, with a guy like Nick Sander... Why, why, why are you taking a shot at Mad Cat Moss like that? <laughs> Wait, but he, he just he just won that title shot against... Oh, oh, he, he lost, didn't he? <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> but, but the honest answer here, what is your honest feeling about putting in a guy like Nick Sander, who the crowd is so behind, but also realistically if you decide it well you know what i'm just gonna shock everyone and as a booker nick Sanders gonna win the title tonight that actually could happen you know what i'm saying like it's not that far off that something like that could happen because nick has established himself as a an actual, uh, you know, contender for the title. A guy like Damian Drake. Uh, you know, you have Matt Vandergriff. You have so many guys that you could put into that position where the crowd, even though you think you know better, still has that sign of hope. Is that a luxury that you guys have, that you have guys that are, you know, able to pull that off where it's not just the fans going in there and going, yeah, it was a good match, but of course he was going to lose. Well, you know, it is also about seizing the moment. Sure. When you go back, we, we can look at something that had never been done before. So Matt Vandegrift beat Jay Vidal for the No Limits title. At the next show, Jay Vidal beat Matt Vandegrift to regain the No Limits title. The show after that, Matt Vandegrift beat Jay Vidal again to regain right. The No Limits Championship. So now you're like, what the fuck? What's going on? So now we put the stipulation of the loser. Well, we didn't put the stipulation that the loser would leave FSW. Jay Vidal said, the right. if I don't beat Matt Vandergriff, I'm going to leave FSW. That was not mandated. That was not something that had to be done. He chose that that was going to happen. And then guess what? He loses to Matt Vandergriff. And then as we saw at the Wall of Fame ceremony, he blames Matt Vandegrift. Well, I blame Jay Vidal. You were so confident you're going to beat Matt Vandegrift that you never thought it was going to be a possibility. Well, you lost. So now a guy that was a close friend of yours, you hold a grudge to, and, and that's the wrestling business because in, in, in all honesty and realistically, Matt Vandegrift kind of hopped over Jay Vidal. You know, those guys were neck and neck. And I guess Matt Vandegrift, you know, he was a guy that Jay Vidal had been the, the wrestler of the year. And then 
Matt Vandergriff kind of took that mantle from him. You know, that isn't a rookie of the year. You can only win once. You know, you can win 20 years in a row. And in most cases, it's healthy competition. And, you know, people talk about getting the belt and handed the belt. And it's like, well, it it takes a lot more than just saying, okay, you're the champ. No, you're earning it in every possible way. You're making Joe DeFalco feel that you're the right person to carry it. Hammerstone carried the belt for as long as he did because he was the best man for the job. And if you're the best man for the job, I'm not just taking it off you to take it off you. Like somebody had to work their ass off and earned it. And Ice Williams proved himself at a, uh, before against all odds, I guess survival of the fittest or which one ever it was. And I was like, wow, you know, this main event match really delivered this guy who's been on the radar proved that maybe I could have a little more faith in him when you're making the decisions that you do. And, you know, it goes for, for everything. You know, Gregory Sharp was mad he didn't have a title for years. And I felt Hyperstreak wasn't a guy who should be a champion. And Gregory Sharp went out as Gregory Sharp and pretty much went out and wrestled everywhere. And after 10, 11 years in the business, it's funny, New Japan finally decided this year to use him. Right. Why is that? Why did they use him three years ago? Because they feel that the Gregory Sharp today was good enough. And maybe they felt the Gregory Sharp three years ago wasn't good enough. And maybe all the anger and all the buildup of what he felt, he went out there and he says, I'm a fucking champion and I deserve to be. And maybe it was that confidence that got him to that point. Right. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Um. When you're uh, now looking forward to uh, Mecca, and I think this will kind of be close to wrapping up here. Um, you know, like you said, you're, you're bringing in uh, these great talents. Uh, that's the concept of Mecca. Um, for any of the guys who, you know, obviously you have a lot of guys who think they should be on Mecca, right? But realist, realistically, though, you have pretty much a short list of guys who have earned that opportunity and have either been on a Mecca and, and proven themselves or, you know, are on that cusp of Mecca. What would one guy have to do to, if he's right on that cusp of, of making it in, to show that, you know, hey, he could... Uh, be on that show, and also, uh, are those guys who are right there? Are those the guys now that you are looking at? Uh, you know, when they're around backstage on the day of the show, if something does happen, is that how you reshuffle and use that as the go-to if you have to, you know, have a last-minute problem where you have to have someone step in? Um, are those the guys that you, you look at uh, or the guys who are, you know, right there, right ready? 
Well, it's a difficult process because it's it's always moving parts. It's sure. like, okay, I'm going to have Chris Bay and John Morrison. We got the date that worked. Well, by getting that date, I found out I can't use Danny Limelight. Well, Danny Limelight right. just re, just won the No Limits Championship. He's a mainstay on New Japan. He would have a spot on the Mecca, but right. he can't make the Mecca. So now a potential opponent, say a Jacob Austin Young, who beat Danny Limelight before he won the No Limits title, would have been in play for a match. Now, there's still March 4th. There's the Mecca. But now, the one spot, one of the spots that Jacob Austin Young could have had against the Danny Limelight, that isn't there. Now, uh, Hammerstone, he's no longer my champion. So right. Hammerstone is a guy, he's the MLW heavyweight champion. He's been on, ever since he got on the Mecca, he's been on every one. He is on this one. I booked him, no, no, no questions asked. Now the question becomes, who is the right opponent for Hammerstone? And we have Tom Lawler booked. Now, Tom Lawler is part of Team Filthy with our former tag champions, Royce and Jarrell, who were supposed to be at the last Mecca. They got their flight canceled. Right. They want to work. Well, I have a tag match with Tito and Shay and the Gates of Agony, which is uh, Khan and Toa, two-thirds of the six-man champs in Ring of Honor. Well, I'm looking to have a three-way or a four-way tag in that match. So, if I use Royce and Jarrell, do I put him in a six-man with Team Filthy? Or do I put him in the tag match with the other two teams? Well, that's a big decision. So if I put him in the tag match, now I have a six-man tag that I want to do. Now I have room for three others that yeah. could be FSW guys. Or they could be a makeshift tag. And it's all placement. To say a Cody, a, J a Jake, a, a Remy, a Damian Drake, they've been on a bunch of the Meccas and things like that. There's a good possibility one or two of them might not be on. And it's not because this guy did this better or this guy did that better. It's because, hey, this match makes more sense for me. This is a match that I think is better than that match with the other guy in it versus that guy. You know, it all, right. it all depends in, in the cycle. You know, and it's like, well, if Tom Lawler is not in the six man, who is Tom Lawler going to work? Well, now all of a sudden, you know, a guy like Graves, a shooty uh, MMA style guy, a natural born killers type fight comes into play. Hey, is Jeff Cobb available? And is right. he in the States? Wow. That'd probably be a pretty cool match. Jeff Cobb and Tom Lawler. But if I have Tom Lawler in a six-man, there's probably not a spot to even inquire. So I haven't talked to Jeff Cobb yet. But if I feel this is the direction I want to go, now I got to talk to him. I got to talk to the guy that I want to wrestle Hammerstone. And 
there's a long list. It ain't a short list. It's a long list of guys that we've used. You know, Tyler Bateman's a guy I'd love to use. Right. Is, is there the right spot for him? You know, Funny Bone, I always like using on some of the, the bigger events, special attraction. We're tag partners in the past. We actually had them work together in the six-man at the last Mecca with Cody, where it was supposed to be, where things got changed around a little bit. And, right. you know, because sometimes things happen. You know, Jacob Austin Young got moved out because Davey Richards couldn't make the match. So he ended up wrestling Gregory Sharp, which was probably a match I'd rather have done at another time. But I needed a good match. And that was the best match option for me. They had just been tagging in New Japan. They were two of our stars that are basically homegrown talent that after years and years of fighting and scrounging and battling for spots, they got to have the opportunity to be on the New Japan shows. (coughs) So it was like, hey, here's a great matchup between the two. So... It, it, it really is. It, it's about a matchup. You know, if I bring in a Juicy, you know, I probably don't want him to work Bodie at the show. You right. Know, we, have, we have a Future Legends tournament. So here's another idea. Well, we have a Future Legends tournament that's coming up in May. And it's going to feature the best talent that's 25 and under. And guys like Bodie and... Matt Vandegrift and Jay Vidal and Jordan Oliver and Billy Starks and Cole Radrick and Titus Alexander and Alec Price from Boston, <coughs> Casey Navarro. All these guys have been talked about for the tournament. Sure. Well, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have like a preview with a little scramble match featuring four of those talents in a match at the Mecca? Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah. So, again, can that happen? Maybe. Maybe not, because I want to get this person on and that person on. <coughs> sure. So, saw Effie the other day and talked about maybe doing Jay Vidal and Effie at the Mecca. Well, if that was the case, I wouldn't need Jay Vidal in the scramble. And it's just like trying to piece things together. Hey, who's available? Budget-wise, who's... who? Who makes sense? Flight-wise, right. pricing-wise, what makes sense? You know? And there's so many factors that go in. So it isn't like, okay, I got 30 guys and I'm going to use the 26 of them. No, there's really 40 guys. And there's... Bateman works if I'm having him wrestle this guy. And Eli Everfly works if I'm working that guy. And Jacob Austin Young works if I'm working this guy. And Sam Adonis works if he's got that guy. And it's like there's all these guys that are in play, and you just try to get it as as quick as possible. You know what I mean? You you don't want to wait. It's like, okay, Viva Van, you know, we've talked about, you know, numerous people for her to work, but it's still kind of an idea of, like, where could we go? What's going to make sense? You know, what's a really good match that's going to get buzz that people are going to care about? You know, having that match, it needs to be different than something you're going to see at a regular FSW show. You know, I, I, I don't, on a Mecca, I want Viva to be on the biggest platform possible because she's the champion. So 
if that means, you know, yeah, I've had a conversation with Tessa Blanchard. I've had a conversation with Morrison about Taya. And it's like, okay, what's going to make the most sense? What's going to be the best match? What's the politics going to be? Because in this day and age, politics plays a huge role in, you know, how you're going to work a finish. And on a show like the Mecca, you know, we're not looking to do all these schmozzy finishes. You know, we're looking to have great matches, great results, and, you know, you know who the winner is and you know who the loser is. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, again, that's that's something for fans to look forward to because you get some of the best uh, wrestling that you can see, uh, you know, right here in your own backyard. So that's amazing. Joe, any final thoughts uh, for the listeners uh, before we wrap up? Nah, we got a big weekend. You know, it was disappointing. Uh, Impact, they're coming to town. They're doing their uh, pay-per-view on Friday. So they're doing two days of taping. We always like doing that big show on the Sunday because we can also utilize at a little better rate flights or whatever if we can use a couple Impact dudes on the show. Like last show, we were lucky. Uh, We had an issue, and uh, Toa got hurt, and he was going to wrestle Tito. And it ended up being for the better. We got Rhino to work the next night. And right. that was the biggest pop of the night. So not being able to do a show, you know, we're going to help out. We're going to be there. We're going to have some extras. Hopefully we get some guys having matches. But, you know, it's disappointing that we don't have a nice big Sunday show to follow up on Impact. So, you know, I'll be there all three nights. Uh, MK's got tickets on the 25th for the XFL game. So he's asking me if I want to go. I'm probably going to try to go. Uh, Impact starts later, I believe, on the Saturday. So I'm not really going to miss that much. So I'm hoping to catch the XFL. I'm hoping to, you know, not that I'm a huge fan. I watch some of the games. It's like, yeah, you know, you got the 93rd best quarterback in, uh, in football is the number one quarterback in the XFL. And it could be worse because the USFL guy uh, right. who's their best quarterback could be the best quarterback. Now we got two leagues with <laughs> quarterbacks that couldn't make it in the NFL. So wait, wait, I find wait, wait. Joe, you, you, you forgot about the arena league too. We got they one of those. Even, teams they don't too. even count. <laughs> they, they, I'm pretty sure they're going to – Johnny Manziel can't even make it in the XFL. So, And he could barely make it in the arena league. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so, you know, we're looking for another week off. But it's going to be a huge week for us. We're going to be busy all three days. And then we're going to follow that up March 4th. Make sure you check it out. You know, all the big stars are going to be there. No Limits champion, the heavyweight champion, the tag team champions, former champions, the the 15-year-old prodigy Bodie will be in the house. Uh, You know, Cody, Damian Drake, Remy Marcel, Class, Devin Reno, uh, maybe Jimmy Jack will show up. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big night. And there you got it. Um, also, uh, six ninety nine for the FSW Network. Uh, you'd be able to uh, see that show uh, as it airs. So keep that in mind, and you can see the rest of the catalog on the FSW Network. Are they they still doing uh, full year for half price? Is that uh, still? I don't out? know. I saw they were in the, into February, in the beginning of February. So I haven't checked recently. So they may be. Check it out. 
And if you want to sign up and it isn't, you know, send me a special message. You know, the first person uh, who hits me up about it, I'll give them that deal. And uh, if uh, if you're uh, not a wrestler and you hit Joe up about that deal, also ask Joe uh, why he hasn't put you on the card. Exactly. (laughs) I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So uh, I have a father who comes and brings his kid to the kids class. And we were probably in uh, early December. And he sends me a text message because he told me he might be interested in, in, in training to wrestle. And he said, hey, I was looking to start in the beginning of January. But what do you think if I start this coming week? Because, you know, I want to get on the card for no escape. And I'm like, <laughs> get on what? <laughs> like, man, I, I must misunderstand what the motherfucker's saying. And it's like, dude, you don't have a prayer in the world of getting on the show unless you're picking up the fucking gear. Like, dude. Well, now we're in February 20th and he still never started. So, you know. Again, you know, it's like when they say when you're going to eat food and you have to, like, put twice as much on your plate and your eyes are bigger than, you know, whatever yeah. it's called. I can't even think. I said it yeah. to my kid all the time. Like, you're really your not going to end up eating that. Yeah, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And yeah, and it's like, dude, like, get on the card. Are you, like, fucking insane? You know, Joe, you should have put him in a cage match, though, and let him let him feel what it's like to be in a cage. Well, it would have been hard because he never showed up after that. So I don't know. Maybe I ran him off. Oh, man. That's... Maybe he was disappointed. He didn't get he was going to he wanted to wrestle Hammerstone in the main event. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Could you imagine putting a fresh piece of meat in with Hammerstone in a cage and just let me take care of business? <laughs> Oh, you know, like we used to say in the old days, uh, <clears throat> teach him a lesson. Yeah, the, the last time that happened, uh, he ended up losing his heavyweight championship to the guy, young boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, true, right? You know, Hammerstone may not want to get in the ring with untrained wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. And until next time, we'll see you guys.